0: Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon or whatever time you're joining us today. Thank you so much for listening to the Stitch, Please! podcast, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch. I am delighted to be speaking today with Felicia Gillen. Is that right, Felicia Gillen? Is that, am I pronouncing it right? Yes, ma'am. All right. Felicia Gillen, who is a designer, a, fas- a former fashion student and graduate of Mississippi State University, and she has an amazing um, overall sense of fashion and design and great experience to share with us and i'm really excited to have her on the program today so felicia thank felicia thank you so much for joining us today
1: you're welcome i'm excited about it excited
0: yay okay so i wanted to get started just to talk about your sewing background can you give us a sense of what got you started sewing
1: Okay, it all really just started, I used to draw a lot. And every time at Christmas time, when my mother used to ask us what we wanted for Christmas, it all used to be art supplies for me. And so it all started out as kind of like a concept, me sketching clothes and different things like that. And then as my grandmother started telling us stories about how she used to change her outfit like three times a day and and things like that, she would just basically um, explain to us how she knew how to sew. And i was just like, well, I wanna learn how to sew. And so she, um, at first it was me and one of my other sisters who um, who she was teaching. But my other sister, she was really more of the kind of like outdoorsy type, wanted to kind of like be out playing with friends and stuff like that. But I was just like, I stuck to it. So she taught me how to like read a pattern, how to cut patterns out, you know, how to go to, at the time she was getting fabric from Walmart. So she showed me how to get fabric from Walmart. I mean, just kind of like the whole nine yards and kind of how to bring my, designs to kind of like uh, end products and so she's the kind of like the background to that and she used to we used to see pictures of her and like these mini skirts and and like these the best and they had to match on my mother and, and things like that because she used to sell for my mother as well and then my older sister um, who's older than, than, um, me and my younger sisters, she sewed her wedding dress and then made our, we was the bridesmaids dresses. We couldn't have been no more than three. We had on these pink kind of like silk satin dresses with a black bow and she made everything. Even her sisters, uh, my grandmother's sister wedding dress as well. So she kind of like was that driving force for me to learn how to sew.
0: That's amazing because your grandma was up there serving looks, friend. Yes, yes, she was yes. like, oh, I got the hat and the shoes to match. Yes. Plus, I'm going to make sure that my, my baby is hooked up and my grandbaby's going to be hooked up. So that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So I love what I hear in your story is that you used to draw. So this drawing, sketching, illustrating, just drawing pictures. And then by working with your grandmother, you were able to transform some of that that love of creativity into sewing and because unlike your um older sister you had the patience to stick with it you know you wanted to be outside you know climbing trees and having a good time (laughs) out in nature and felicia was like me and she was like i'm staying in this house yeah with the air conditioning and the sewing machine
1: yes and some of my first garments, I mean, they weren't the best thing, like little capri outfits and things like that. And and I was just kind of like, well, I don't want to sew it up and then not wear it. Because, of course, you know, like the fabrics from Walmart at that time I probably weren't all the best. And so I was just like, but it's something that I made. So I may do and try to wear what I made and things like that. But it was really exciting learning how to sew.
0: That is fantastic. I I really love that, and I love that you know you talk about your grandmother, who um like my grandmother sewed amazingly well, and you know she was she sounds it sounds like we have a similar story in the sense that just that we had like a grandmother as like a a kind of a um a, a senior relative to look up to right. to get a sense of of inspiration and also to have precedent you know, that we know this can, we know this is possible because we've seen somebody do it, you know? So my mother sewed, my grandmother sewed. And so I love the story of your grandmother, like just basically teaching you the ropes, teaching you the fundamentals. So those capri pants you just described, was that your first sewing project? Uh,
1: yes, it was, it was a few capri pant outfits, um, maybe one or one dress or so like that. But, um, it was a lot of kind of like tops and pants to match. So it was more of like those different capri outfits uh, that I could wear. So maybe the shirt wasn't really made well, but the pants I could kind of like fit into whatever other clothes that I had. So, uh, or maybe I just wear the shirt around the house, but I tried to at least wear it once, you know, even though it wasn't made all the way well, uh, I at least tried to wear what I made. Cause it was just kind of like, once I seen the end product, I was just like, wow, I made that. <laughs>
0: I, and I think that's such good practice. That's something that I learned as well, and I learned to so sew when I was much, much, much older than you were. Um, and that there's something to be said about, you know what? Just wear it anyway, right, yeah, you know? know, I mean, that's how you learn, you know, like if you're like, oh, you know what, i I skipped this step or I forgot about this step or I didn't know this step and now I'm wearing this thing and it's a little bit uncomfortable and maybe if I had sewn it, you know, in a different way, right. then I would be able to enjoy it and appreciate it more but no matter what I'm wearing it right now. Um so that's I remember once I made my husband a dress shirt and you know how they have the sleeve plackets with the buttons that go near the back of the wrist? Yes. Well, I put the sleeves in wrong. I put the left sleeve in the right arm's eye, and the right sleeve in the left arm's eye. Yeah. So the um, the button placket, instead of being at the back of his wrist, was on the top. Oh wow! And so you could tell this man loves me because he wore this shirt all day, <laughs> and he was like, "I was like, oh no, I made this shirt for you, and I did French seams with all the stitching and the top stitching and all that." And he was like, oh, no, no, it's it's fine. I wear it. And so he wore it all day and he came back and he said, yeah, it's a little awkward. Do you think you could put the sleeves in the right direction? And I was like, of course. And so I did. Right. But that one time it only takes one time to have that kind of, you know, mistake. And then you're like, OK, I don't need to make that again. That's that's really great. And so. Um, I know you said earlier, and this is going to be fun because I'm really excited about this. You are a triplet. Yes, yes. You I'm are a triplet. One, You are one of two other Um, in your, in your, tell me about that. I, I, I don't think I've ever talked to a triplet before. And I remember you said when we were talking earlier mm-hmm. that um, being a triplet has shaped your approach to sewing and fashion. Can you share more about that?
1: Yes, definitely. So I, oh yes, I am a triplet. Um, it's three girls. We're fraternal. We look nothing alike. And, um, and, but brothers and sister-wives it's eight of us total. And the triplets are like the last, well, we were the last born out of them. So we're the babies of the family. And I'm like the baby of the baby of the family. And
0: so, so you um, are number eight of I, eight.
1: Number eight Sorry, of eight. You
0: are the baby-est. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Man, yeah, I bet you got up to some some shenanigans. I'm just saying, you know, my baby sister's always pranking me. She's always forever clowning me. I can only imagine you being the youngest of eight and well, you all, know, that, all that you put them people through.
1: You know, even though I was the youngest, I acted more as like the older sister because I learned how to do hair before my other sisters. I learned how to cook before my other sisters. So once my mother knew I had that skill, those skills she kind of like retired early so i was the one cooking i was the one doing hair for picture day and and um doing relaxers and braids and things like that so even though i was a baby i wasn't as spoiled or got away with a lot uh i was kind of like the the leader of the group i guess you could say <laughs>
0: wow so your creativity shows up in other ways too so with sewing and hair and doing chemical treatments and braids and cooking (laughs) if i was your mom i would have retired long before that i tell you what right right everybody would have had some essential skill
1: right definitely so we're um it's like i said it was three girls triplets um we're 28 now our birthday october 25th um and, I mean, I just love being a triplet. And, um, like I was telling you earlier, like people don't believe that we're triplets because we don't look alike. And so, um, and then our, our first names don't rhyme. So like when people ask, we have to go through the, the steps on kind of convincing them. Yeah. We are triplets. Like our middle names rhyme. Michelle, Santrell, Danielle. And then they'd be like, Oh yeah, I get it. And then they'd be like, Well, when's your birthday? And then at the same time, we'll say October 25th. And so they, then they'll kind of like, oh, it's clicking now. Y'all are triplets. And we're just like, well, we wouldn't lie about it. But, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but yes, um, love being a triplet. I remember in first grade, um, when we first grade, my mother had us all move to the same classroom because she didn't want us all coming home with different homework from different teachers. So Smart she, lady. Yes, so she had us all move to the same classroom. And um going through our high uh younger school and older school like we were just known as like the Gillen girls and the Gillen triplets and things like that and it was just um it was i like i love being a triplet and i was always the one on picture day can we wear the same color shirt or same pair of pants or something like that and my sister's like no i don't want to dress alike you know so y'all
0: never dressed alike your mother or grandmother when she made those outfits for y'all she did not dress you all alike it,
1: probably between the ages of one to three, I would say we seen pictures of us dressing alike, but after that it was individual, um, different outfits and things like that. So we really didn't dress alike for, a, um, for only, we only dressed alike for a short period of time from pictures that we seen. Like as we got older, it was just kind of like everybody developed their own sense of style really quickly. I only remember once, um, on school day pictures where we all wore the same color shirt. Uh, and maybe like a different bottom. And after that, it was just kind of like, I want to wear this. I don't want to dress alike or another like that.
0: <laughs> that is so fun. And so speaking of your education, you went to Mississippi State University and mm-hmm. you studied fashion or fashion design. Can you, I'd love to talk more about that. Can you share what your um, what your course, what your course of study was like and what made you decide to study this?
1: Yes um when I was in high school um well coming from high school into college I ended up joining DECA I don't know if you ever heard of DECA um it it was like a marketing club and I competed in different competitions in fashion like Someone once told me, I don't remember who, they said, whatever you love to do, make sure you make a career out of it. Like, you'll do it for free and won't have to get paid for it. So I was just like, I want to do fashion. And I always used to hear these stories about, oh, you're going to change your college major two or three times a day. I mean, you know, all through your college career, you'll change your major. But um, as I was looking for schools, I found that Mississippi State had a um, program um, at the time when I originally went to school in 2010, it was apparel and textiles merchandising, but because of the progression of the program and that it was getting noticed more, um, they changed it into where you can get your degree in merchandising or apparel design. And so I got mine in fashion design with a concentration in product development.
0: That's fantastic. So mm-hmm. so as the program developed, they split off the marketing and the apparel design, they split right. them into two. So what were some of the courses you took when you were on the apparel design track?
1: Okay, so some of the courses I took, I took apparel one, which is kind of like basic sewing. And we had like this big binder where we had to do like the different seams. Like I heard you mention a French seam earlier. we had to do all of those different seams, uh, straight seams and um, just a lot of different seams. And then we had like a, a surging test. It was a class that I took where we had to, Um, We were actually timed on threading the serger. And so um, they taught us how to do that. And it was just basically like you can come into the college program without knowing how to sew. But I kind of had an advantage because my grandmother had already taught me how to sew. So I already knew how to I knew how to thread up a, a sewing machine, but not a serger machine. And so um, I kind of had an advantage a little bit in some of like the basic sewing classes and things like that. And then some of the things that kind of, I guess, get you that your inspiration and your concept of like what you wanted to design, I took a floral design class as well. And they taught us how to put floral arrangements together, how to make bows. And it was all under that kind of like artistic creativity type uh, umbrella, as well as like um, design one and drawing one. And then... Um, I took draping and we also took um, it was called marketing and promotional strategies where we had to design a garment and we had to create the fashion show from beginning to end. So we were responsible. Yes, we were responsible from getting the vendors, the food. Um, getting the, the, the kind of like the marketing out on who should attend the fashion show, our judges, as well as if you were the design student, you could submit a garment into the fashion show to be presented at the fashion show to win an award. And so I was there from day, from morning until night. And then I had a garment in the show as well. I mean, I was one tired student after that, but it was fun um, being like the creator of the fashion show and having a design in the fashion show as well.
0: That is really incredible, this yeah. idea, of this hands-on learning, these practical um, skills, as well as throwing in floral design. I don't think I would have imagined floral design could play mm-hmm. a role in fashion education. But then you look at some of these, you know, patterns, Felicia, these different prints, um, these different illustrations, mm-hmm. and you're like, wow, it really, if you think about it, it's a lot about composition. It's about how you use light. Um it's about you know I don't know I just don't, I would not have thought about putting these two things together. Right. Um, can you talk about I loved how you shared about the the fashion show that you all built. I'd love to hear about the garment you made. Can you tell us more about that? Do you remember what you made that you submitted to the show and was accepted?
1: Yes, I submitted a red jumpsuit. Our theme was uh, like a safari theme. And we had to come up with a name for our garment so they could read it off when the garment is walking the runway. So I I named mine Jungle Fever.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I
1: named it Jungle Fever. I made like a little, um, the, the, and then it was kind of like, it was hosted by Cotton University. Um, part of our oh, text.
0: Per- can you say the university's name again that was hosting it?
1: Uh, Cotton University. Cotton, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the people who worked for Cotton University, she came and she was one of the judges as well as maybe like one of our professors and um, the dean of admissions in our program. They were the three uh, judges. And so it was a red jumpsuit, had a red tie. The fabric was, it had to be at least 6% cotton. So my whole jumpsuit was cotton. It was a red cotton fabric that I had found, I think at Walmart. And um, and then I, I found this kind of like fur fabric. And so I made a little clutch, a hand clutch to walk down the runway with the model. And then the inside, I lined it with cotton fabric. Um, as well, so it can kind of like go with the aesthetic of kind of it being like a jungle type theme or whatever. But, um, the girl who wore it, she knew how to walk. And so I was just kind of like, I was, that was like my first experience of like a fashion show, and I just loved it. And um, didn't I didn't win, but I did get an honorable mention, so that was good enough.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic! Oh my goodness! Wow! I I want to hear. I, I'm so I'm so interested in um your fashion education. Can you do you remember a class in particular? that stands out to you. I mean, I, I just want to reiterate, I know everybody, we did just hear Felicia say that one of her, I don't know if it was a quiz or an activity or maybe just hazing, but she had to thread a surgery in a timed trial. And I'm pretty sure that there's some people out there who'd be like, um, sis, um, just, you know, let me just step aside a little bit. Um, <laughs> because I have seen people who, um, do not enjoy threading their surgery. Oh no! Um, people who I know of a story of this um, person who was teaching a, a surgeon class, and she had taught everybody how to thread their sergers, or was going to teach them, and so she had went ac- she went around the room and cut, you know how you can have say you, you have a four thread surgery, for example, she went around and she cut all the threads from the loopers and the needles, and then wanted the students to rethread their serger from from scratch. Oh, wow! And this one woman, she got up, she took her serger, packed up and absolutely walked out of that class with <laughs> all her stuff because that woman apparently had been tying a knot on her thread and pulling it through the loopers for years. Oh, wow. And she did not know how to thread her serger loopers or needle. Right. I right. guess she didn't get the needles, but you know, I guess getting it through the loopers is the harder part. And um, she was like, forget this. She yeah. was curious. I've had those knots in there for a decade, you know. Yeah. And so threading a serger um, can be challenging. I did mm-hmm. also learn how to, On I learned, I, now I have a serger that self-threads. Oh, I wow. oh yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. But I, when I did not start with a serger that threaded itself, I started with a $200 serger that I had to absolutely thread everything and keep an eye on it and babysit it. Yeah. So this idea of like developing fundamental skills, like threading your machine, basic mm-hmm. maintenance and those kind of things, um, are pretty, you know, it's pretty nice to know that when you are learning to design, you have to learn these kind of just basic skills. But do you, do you remember a class um, that you really, really um, loved or things that lessons from any courses that stuck with you in addition to the fashion show experience?
1: Yes, um, I actually took, um, I'm going to talk about two creative design classes that I took. So the first one I took with uh, one of my design professors um, and in that class, she taught us uh, a level of skills. Um, to develop as in like crocheting knitting, um, we had a segment on embroidery, and then we had a whole segment on dyeing fabrics. And that class just kind of like kickstarted my interest. like it just expanded, kind of like blew my mind of like the other skills that you could have in fashion. like you could actually knit up a scarf or a hat or a sweater or whatever. So she taught us, all by hand um but uh she taught us how to do all of that and that was the first creative design class that i took and that whole class was like we did samples knitting samples crochet samples um, embroidery samples dyeing samples and then at the end of each segment we had to do a project on each of those skills and so that was the only thing currently right now that i've kind of mastered is crocheting i love crocheting Um, just like the next crochet, um, that was one of the things that I kind of like took to really quickly in that class. Um, but I also like the idea of like coming up with your own textile and dyeing your own fabrics as well. And knowing between natural dyes and the other type of dyes and different things like that. Um, but the one that kind of like stuck with me, uh, the second design, creative design class that I took, that kind of like, I would say kind of catapulted my career in a little bit, uh, in a sense. Is, uh the second creative design class that I took. It was a class where we had to take. We partnered up with the farmers of Vardaman, Mississippi, because um, I'm originally from Mississippi, so, um, of course, Mississippi State. But um, we partnered up with the sweet potato farmers of Vardaman, uh, Mississippi on how to cut down on their sweet potato waste. And so they partnered up with the fashion design program. Uh, what can your fashion do, students do with these sweet potatoes that we're having to throw out? And so we have to partner up, and each group has to come up with an end-use product using these sweet potatoes. And in that process, uh, me and my partner at the time recreated this sweet potato leather is what we called it. And so – Oh, my gosh. Yes. And so it kind of – that kind of opened up a whole nother world of, like, how fashion meets science and biology and and different things like that, Um, and creating a whole new textile, not in a – like a – a fiber concept but like more of in like a, a, a chemistry lab you know developing in a, a bat or a, a pyrex dish or something like that and so we have to do a, this whole research on who's our customer target customers um how is this sustainability what can you do with what's the thorough of that product and we created this this leather and um it kind of like went everywhere where we Presented it in our symposium. It was like a research symposium where we came in first place in in like art and design. And then we were also um, accepted into the um, ITAA, which is the International Textiles um, Apparel Association. And we got to uh, present our research in Vancouver, Canada on our sweet potato leather. And um, that was just kind of like one of those moments in my life that just like, wow, like I actually went to Canada to present research and the school paid for it, the all expenses paid. um, And it was just like, that was kind of like one of those defining moments for me, like that class kind of like set the bar on what I could create and, and kind of like me as a designer, it kind of opened my mind to sustainability in a way and how like you know you can come up with a sustainable product and it's not harm the earth or you know creating like a zero waste type of product or whatever because you create the size just say like um you know the pyrex glass dishes that, that you probably get from Walmart or Target or something like that that's what we were growing our leather in in this in this science lab so we had like a a, a chemistry professor we had our design professor we was also partnered with the entrepreneur department of mississippi state university and all of those people working together to help us create these products create this leather and um make it like an end use product um it still had some kinks and things like that in our research but it was still kind of like one of those pivotal moments like that class was just kind of like a wow moment for me like we actually created a leather out of using sweet potatoes we used a, uh, a kombucha uh, culture, like a, ba- a good bacteria, apple cider vinegar, just kind of like random gr- ingredients that you can kind of get at the kitchen to create this um, leather.
0: That is blowing my mind. Do you hear me, Felicia? My mind is blown. I, I, there's so many ideas that are rushing through my head at once. <laughs> First, I remember there's a book called like the Guernsey Sweet Potato Literary Society, something like that. Anyway, it's about basically that back in the day, like during World War Two, when there was a lot of like rationing, people actually, instead of making the pies out of sweet potato, like the potatoes, um, they, it was the same idea, like not wanting to waste anything. So mm-hmm. you peel a potato and then like, what do you do with the 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 waste? You know, we are in this, you know this war this crisis no one wants to throw out food so you they turned it into something um, in order to be able to make pie out of it you know what i mean so like so taking that so that that kind of resourcefulness and then making like a chemical leather out of sweet potatoes and you met this farmer that has like he must have like thousands and thousands of pounds of stuff that he's not using and that's not fit for eating and but not shouldn't just be thrown away and you're like, Oh no, I got this. We are going to work with a chemistry professor and the design professor and the entrepreneurial professor. And we're going to create this new, this totally new product. I, that's amazing. That is amazing. When you got the leather put together did you end up making anything with it or did you just want was it like a a formula that you could kind of share with people like just going to that conference what did you call it then the international apparel
1: the international textile apparel association um it was kind it's like an annual conference that they have where students can come present their work and then like programs like kind of like school programs like Lectra and Madaris and and Gerber and all of those that um, have something to do with kind of like the textile industry, they come and present their books and their products, and then you have the portion where students come and either do a research portion, and then you also have like a a, a garment where they display a garment that they have made out of something sustainable or something creative that they have done um, sewn up or, you know, kind of like the, the possibilities are endless. And as far as, like, the sweet potato, it was never uh, – I was never able to kind of, like, get it off the grind as far as, like, getting a whole garment together. Still kind of, like, on my bucket list to try to go back and do. But um, when we presented our research, we just had, like, these little samples um, kind of, like, with needle and thread so they can see, like, this can be sewn. Like, and then we pass it down to the judges so they can, like, take the little needle and thread through it so they can see, like, it's durable as well. So it's, it's not one of those things where it's just kind of, like, we're just presenting something to you that um that doesn't work. It's actually a product that you can actually right. stick a needle right. through. You know, something minor is like just doing like a needle and thread. Not normally um not necessarily um developing like a long sheet of leather to where we could create like a, a garment or maybe like an accessory or something.
0: But I like mean that. you made the first step. I mean, right, honestly, right. I mean who else is making leather out of sweet potatoes? Right. I, mean, I, I mean that's the reason you all won first place, I'm sure, because it's it's amazing it's it's not it's not just a theoretical application. You actually went into the the lab and ended up converting this waste product into something that's usable that's on for, you know, then your group could like sell this very productive idea and let some big company or whatever, um, do all the, the, the chemistry and who has, you know, to kind of really build behind it. But like, I don't know, that's just amazing to me. I, I, I was today years old before I figured out that you could actually (laughs) make a leather product out of sweet potato peels. And, um, I'm also now having this really intense desire for sweet potato pie. Um, and you know
1: i'm not a big fan of sweet potato pie or yams or anything really sweet potato um kind of like ish or whatever but when we was doing this research they took us to the farm to look at the um the meals and they took us to the sweet potato kind of like i guess you could say garden or garden or field where and then we got to like pick sweet potatoes and take them home and then they took us to this sweet potato kind of store what this lady had like all different types of things made from sweet potatoes, sweet potato chips, sweet potato sausage balls and sweet, everything was sweet potatoes. And, um, like when I tried like the little sausage ball that she had made out of sweet potatoes and something else, I mean, I'm just like blown. I was just like, well, I guess I kind of like sweet potatoes, but <laughs> you know, I'll stick to I guess the fashion realm of it where it's just exactly. like, I'm not eating it, but you know, whatever I can help cut down on the waste. During that, you know, during that class, and we kind of like—I mean—that went on for a while during my college career. Um, we did—I mean, yes, it, it went on for a while, and then at one point, it was just kind of like a my partner. It was came become. It, I'm sorry. The project ended up becoming my own project because my partner ended up kind of like severing her ties with it and I was doing it all by myself and I was trying to partner up with different schools. Never got off the ground, but just to have that on my resume that I did have this research project that I created this leather from, it was it was great.
0: That is really amazing. I'm so glad you told us that story because I just feel like you have changed everybody's views of sweet potatoes. Yes. So um, so thank you for that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Felicia about her um, her current projects, as well as uh, New Orleans Fashion Week, which is something that she did last year. So everybody stay tuned and we'll be back in a bit. The Stitch Please podcast is really growing. We have recently hit 30,000 downloads. That is a huge deal for a small podcast that is totally independently funded and unsponsored and just a labor of love. Um, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and ask a favor. If you are listening to this podcast on a medium that allows you to rate it or review it, For example, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do so. If you're enjoying the podcast, if you could drop me a five star rating, if you um, have something to say about the podcast um, and you wanted to include that, a couple sentences in the review box of Apple makes a really big difference in how the podcast is evaluated by Apple, how it becomes more visible. It really is a way to kind of lean into the algorithm that helps to rank podcasts Um, so if you had time to do that to drop a little line in the review feature of the podcast that would be really appreciated it would help us to grow even further and faster Welcome back everybody. Thank you so much for um for joining us again. You are listening to the Stitch Please podcast and I'm talking to Felicia Gillen um who is this a wonderful designer and really creative spirit who just really changed how I view sweet potatoes. And hopefully anyone who listened to the previous segment will know that a sweet potato is way more than a delicious base for a pie. Um, Felicia, I wanted to ask you about your opinions or thoughts on your fashion education and formal education. Um, What is your opinion about, I know some folks, um, there's lots of different ways to approach fashion. Um, some folks don't have formal training. Mm-hmm. Some folks do. Um, can you share some of your opinions about what you see as a benefit of your fashion education? Yes, yes. Um, well, I
1: actually think a fashion education is definitely um, the, uh, a good route to take. I know a lot of designers today are self taught or maybe started out in another major, but, um, me as coming from Mississippi, a small town, um, Amherst, Mississippi, I, I really just didn't have a lot of connections. And so going to Mississippi state and having those outlets to where I could like travel abroad or go to New York to attend a, uh, the re- the national retail federation, uh, conference and, in, um, in, like marketing. like all of that came through the school. So if I didn't have that college education, I would have never applied for my passport to go to London and spend a month over there or go to New York to um, go to this conference or even Dallas to go to the apparel mart down in Dallas. Like all I did, all of that traveling, a lot of traveling through the university and had not I uh, attended Mississippi State University and tried to kind of like get off the ground, not saying that I wouldn't have been able to, but I probably wouldn't have had as many opportunities like I did if I, would
0: have, uh, wouldn't have would have done a sc- uh, college education. So I wanted to, if you could tell us about what was London like when you went to study abroad in London? You said you were there for a month. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of students, um, that is one of the benefits of um, being able, of, of attending college is that you can do a study abroad program. And lots of students have their horizons broadened by travel, travel. Um, as a student. What were some of the highlights from your London trip?
1: Oh, wow. Well, yes, we spent a month in London and I mean, it was a a culture shock. I would definitely say somewhat of a culture shock. Um, London, of course, they speak English, but they do have like their British undertones, you know, and things like that. Um, literally every day we did some kind of walking tour, some kind of museum tour, the VNA, the British Museum, the Jewish Museum. And we did a lot of like uh, panel talk with different stylists and bespoke, artists and things like that. And then we did a tour of Seville Row, which is kind of like home of the tailoring to many designers in London. And um, it was a great experience. I took a class on how to make, um, you know, those bows that you put in your hair, they're like flowers that you kind of see at like the, the beauty supply store or at Walmart. They taught us how to make those different hair flowers and and different things like that and then we took a polymer clay class where we learned how to make jewelry I mean it was just like the the possibilities were endless and not to mention the food fashion aside the food was really good in London a lot of pasta lasagna and um it was just a great overall experience um just to see um Oxford Street and um tour uh suffrages and like these big stores and just to see like their visual merchandising that they had in their store compared to what we have over here in the U S it was a great experience. Definitely great. And I would love to go
0: back. <laughs> did you Did you go to Liberty of London when you were there? Yes. We went to Liberty. Yes. Yes. So tell me about that. Okay. So I can say I've never been to London. Um, I would love to go at some point. Um, But I have seen some images of Liberty. There's all, there's these like classic shops like Harrods and things like that, that I've read about, yes. of course, and, But Liberty just seems like a place I would like to go just to just look. It seems like a fabric museum. Yes. Um, Tell me about what your time was like when you went to visit Liberty of London.
1: Um, Liberty, um, I mean, fabrics galore. They had an elevator where you can go to the different floors, um, a lot of different like yarn and knitting accessories and things like that. I mean, I had to send a box home ahead of time because of so much fabric that I bought in London. And it was just kind of like... I mean, it was just kind of like fabric heaven. And then on a separate occasion, aside from the school, we went to a um, a showing where uh, Tilly and the Buttons. She was there. Oh yeah. Yeah, she was there sewing up one of her patterns, and we went and saw her. Um, it was just kind of like a, a meet and greet type thing. We, me, and some of my college uh, friends, we went to her showing and um, of her putting together one of her garments as well at Liberty.
0: Oh my goodness. What a treat. Oh, my gosh. And so um, so speaking of food, I'm going to transition very awkwardly. Um, I find it uh, a bit surprising that a woman from Mississippi really enjoyed the food in London <laughs> because I tend to not think of London ha- or England having like particularly cu- culinary like um I don't know. I just feel like I'm from the South as well. Like you're from the South. Yes. And I think that we have such a unique food culture and London has a unique food, food culture as well. Yes. I just of think about them as being kind of compatible, but I guess, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure I would love the food in London because I love the food pretty much everywhere. <laughs> right. I, anywhere I go. So anytime I go somewhere, I look for the two F's fabric and food. <laughs> and, I do what you do. I buy a box. I shipped. I went to Paris. I shipped a box back to myself from Paris. I when I go to New York, which you know is pretty close, not close. I'm in Virginia, so it's like a nice six hour Amtrak ride up there. Mm-hmm. I will buy fabric, go to the UPS store before I even get back to <laughs> my family where I'm staying, and put that box right in the mail. Yeah. And when I get home, it's like woohoo! <laughs> I sent myself a present.
1: Right, right, definitely. The food was really good there. It was like surprisingly good because i thought i was just like oh my god they you know they have cod instead of like i guess like our catfish or whatever but it was good like fish and chips and then we actually did tea time um high oh, tea wow. at the british museum so they had like these little sandwiches and macaroons and we got to have our own little teapot with our tea cup. And oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, so I had I high tea. Yeah, yes, high that, tea. Is, that is enjoyable. Yes, it fun.
0: That was is like, cream and scones or scones, as they say. Yes. That, I would love to try that. I would love to try all of that, especially the fish and chips. Yes. Um, but I want to talk about New Orleans because New Orleans is one of my favorite food places and drink places and just places in general yes. um, and you participated last year in new in um in the new orleans fashion week mm-hmm. can you talk about that um what brought you to the new orleans fashion week and how that played out yes um i
1: i heard about new orleans fashion week actually from another one of my um classmates uh that attended mississippi state university he attended um a couple of them as well uh actually a couple of mississippi state um fashion students attended uh, maybe like years year after year, it was a Mississippi State student in New Orleans Fashion Week. So I applied one year. I didn't get it. That was my own fault. I think I rushed through the application process, but I was just kind of like, I was determined to apply the year, uh, the year of 2019 last year. And I'm just kind of like, I have to get in it. I'm gonna get in it. So I took my time getting my application process together. And, um, at the time, um, New Orleans Fashion Week was always hosted in the spring. But due to kind of like some switching around of the owner and I guess like things that was going on at the time, she switched it to the fall. So it gave us ample amount of time to develop a collection and um, and I just, and to do it in the fall. And so I applied, I got accepted. Um, we had to submit a bio of ourselves and a headshot and things like that. And then we were able to go and I spent the week in um, New Orleans. Um, I enjoyed the food there as well. It was really good food. Um, I didn't get to explore as much because I was doing model fittings from day one that I got there to literally the day of the fashion show, um, because some models were kind of like commuting back and forth. I mean, it was a stressful, exciting, anxiety field. I mean, all the emotions in one, whatever emotion you have, I had it during New Orleans fashion week, but ultimately it was very exciting, um, competition. I made it into the, uh, it was the emerging designing uh, category is what I applied for, and then you have the feature design portion. Um, I made it into the top eight of the emerging design competition. Um, had my name on the marquee. I had a um, a nine piece collection that I created, and uh, models of all different shapes and sizes. And I really loved that. And so it was a great, great, great experience.
0: That is fantastic. And I love, um, about the, I love your comment about the, um, size inclusivity mm-hmm. because I feel that sometimes that fashion, because it seems so theoretical or because it seems so, um, it, it's 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 about these different projections that I think that there's since there tends to be such a, a limited imagination, which is ironic, at least for me as a consumer, right. that that designers are only designing for people who wear between a size zero and a size four. Right. Um, like that's not what you know. That's not what most people can wear or look like. And of course, I know that, you know, high fashion is not meant to be the same as ready to wear. It's meant to be more um, artistic and aesthetic Mm -hmm. and pushing boundaries. But I think you could also push boundaries and also be inclusive. Um, and so that's one of the things I love to hear about your collection. Do you remember one of your favorite pieces from your 2019 collection that you did for the show? Um, was there something that you were like, oh, I'm really proud of this or, you know, I'm really I think I think I really nailed this.
1: Um, well, I have it was this coat pattern that I made. Um, I had it on two models. One of them wore the a dress and then the other one wore the coat with a pair of shorts. And I made that, I really love that pattern that I made, and then my end piece was like a gown that I had made with days and it was kind of like a, um, a, had like a, kind of like a collar neck, um, and I really love those three main pieces um, in my collection, like the coat piece, and then that my uh, finale gown dress that I had made for the show.
0: Oh, my goodness. If you have pictures of that, I would love to see photographs. Maybe we could include those in the, um, the episode um, cover art. I okay. think that people would love to see what you've done. Let's talk a bit about because um, we're getting near the end of our time. But I'd love to hear about what do you have going on now? What are some of the current projects you're working on?
1: Um, well, current projects right now, I'm doing a lot of freelance. Um, I wasn't going to get on the mass bandwagon, but. I was just really trying to make masks for my friends and family, but I've had people contacting me to make masks. So I'm kind of doing a little bit of masks right now for people who are asking me to do them. Um, and then, um, a lot of freelance, I just had one of my old high school classmates, um, hire me on to do her, uh, her bridesmaids dresses, as well as her flower, instead of flower girls, she's doing flower women. And so, um, and so I'm designing like that whole row of like gowns and blazer dresses that she's wanted for her wedding. And so I see now that like my, um, kind of like my specialty is going more towards like special occasion. Like I've done prom and I've done, you know, weddings and different things like that. So, um, I'm just going wherever the fashion train sends me. Um, I have a lot of stuff that I want to do. I, I kind of want to go for my master's. So I'm, I am in the process of working for that. Um, and, so yeah, I'm just kind of like taking whatever um, whatever comes my way, really, and just kind of like kind of more since I've been designing for so many people outside of myself, I kind of want to tone it back a little bit and just kind of like do a little bit more for myself instead of kind of like designing for others. Um, but ultimately, I just kind of want to get my name out there as an emerging designer and um, let the people know that Felicia Gillen is on the rise, you know?
0: That is really amazing because I think what I'm learning is that you have all these skills, but they've been designed to, for to benefit someone else. Mm -hmm. Like you know, I mean, and I keep thinking about we said about the flower. Instead of having flower girls, she's going to have flower women. I'm like, oh my gosh, there it goes again. That floral design, that flower arranging (laughs) class keeps coming in handy. You know, between learning to make the floral accessories in London or designing these dresses for flower women and the entire line for the bridal party, like. That's a lot of, you know, floral-related things. So that's excellent. That's excellent. And so, um, Felicia, this has been such a treat to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Where can people find you on social media if they want to connect with you?
1: Okay, I have um, a YouTube. uh, It's called The Style Corner. Uh, I love vlogging, like my daily life, my family, um, and then fashion-related things as well. And then I also have a fashion Instagram um it's called l.g.design and um just a quick story behind that l you know I, earlier i told you that um our middle names as far as like me being a triplet they rhyme so michelle Santrell, and danielle the end of that is e-l-l-e and so i kind of wanted to kind of like play off of that as far as like being a triplet because i like i said i love being a triplet i think it's a a pivotal part of like my identity as being a triplet. So that's kind of like the, the, um, how I got the L and then the G as as far as like my last name, Gillen. And, um, and so that's how I got LG, how that came about, but it is L dot G dot designs on Instagram. And then my, uh, just regular Instagram is just Felicia D. Um, that's F L E S H I A and the letter D is just my regular Instagram. And then I've also, um, gotten on tiktok it is a whole new uh generation of tiktokers out there and that is the style corner as well underscore after the corner uh so the style corner underscore and i just found that as a way to quickly edit a fashion clip that i can upload really quickly to kind of just let the people know what i'm working on instead of sitting at a computer and editing on a long uh drawing out video for youtube and so uh yes i've kind of gotten on that tiktok train as well (laughs)
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much, everyone. We've been talking with Felicia Gillen, who is an emergent designer on the rise. Um, And this has been such a treat. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group, where Black Lives Matter. There are a variety of ways that you can support the program, and you're doing it right now. By listening to the, pro- by listening to the podcast, it does help us grow. Another way to do that is to rate the podcast, review it, subscribe to it. All of these things are ways that you can support the podcast without having to spend any money at all. If you would like to spend some money to support us, there are ways to do that as well. You can make direct donations to our Patreon site for monthly contributions, as well as one-time contributions to PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo. And finally, we have another cute, very adorable way for you to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. It's a pin, a P-I-N enamel lapel pin that's very cute. It's about two inches wide and one and a half inch tall, and it's of the Black Women's Stitch logo. And that is $15 with free shipping to the U.S. And so if you drop $15 in the uh, PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App accounts, and then send me your email, no, not email, you send me your mailing address to my email, either at BlackwomenStitch at gmail.com, or you send me a direct message on the Black Women Stitch Instagram page, we will put the pin in the mail to you. Um, Again, free shipping, $15 for the pin, and all of this goes to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. Thank you again for joining us this week. Come back next week, and we will help you get your stitch together.